We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 63. We have the hottest breaking stories from the camp. No, and the most recent story is, of course, that match that's just finished up against Ibar with Barcelona. Of course, if you're new to the podcast, we ask that you subscribe via iTunes if you've got an iPhone. If it's an Android, it's Google Play and on Spotify on either. Five stars is great, and you can also find us on social media too. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or Hilton D13 on Twitter and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Well, no Legrand Pergunta actually today. We're going to start right off with reviewing that game against Ibar. As Frances, you've got our five star players of the game. I do, I do. But before we've got our five stars, we've got a sponsor. Um, as regular listeners know, uh, we have been supported and we're delighted that they have by ticketcompare.com. Um, they've got a link for us, which is tbpot.link forward slash tickets. And basically, we do know that buying tickets for Barca's biggest game is not easy. The box office sells out instantly, doesn't it? And it, it leaves the user or you to endlessly scour the internet and sort of go around looking aimlessly at different websites. Now, you don't know which websites are trustworthy or if you're paying over the odds. And we really do wish that there was a simpler way. This has happened personally to me several times. If you visit TicketCompare.com, where you can compare tickets for the most trusted vendors, that would be the best choice. Every vendor comes with expert and consumer reviews, so you can have the peace of mind you deserve. And you never miss a Classico again, you could have gotten tickets for the Chelsea game if you haven't, and basically it's the best right thing to do. TicketCompare.com is your guide to the best seats in the Camp Nou. Now if you want to support the show, go through tvpod.link forward slash tickets. That is tvpod.link forward slash tickets. And then you will be supporting our work as well. Yeah, sounds good to me. Right, so without further ado, let's start the five stars of the week. With one star is Philippe Coutinho. He had not very much time to play, to be honest. He came on late in the second half. But in the time that he was on the pitch, he actually performed really well. The first one, he got a pass for Messi that, let's face it, no one else, and definitely Paulinho, wasn't able to do in the time he was on the pitch. And Messi didn't really score in the end, but he was very, very close. And then he created the goal for Jordi Alba as well. So the one star goes for Philippe Coutinho. Hey, Frances, can I jump in real quick on the Coutinho? Go on. So one of the things I was thinking with Coutinho, that Coutinho obviously won't be playing against Chelsea in midweek. So 
the big question was, and I don't know if you saw anything on this, but why did Coutinho not start the match instead of Iniesta? Because as we saw, Coutinho came on, he was bright in that game. And then the second part of that question that I'm kind of trying to ask myself is, with Coutinho not necessarily not doing so well, but I think he's continuing to find his footing as he showed against Ibar. And if his game of anything, yes, it fit the Premier League, but it seems to probably fit La Liga even better. So I don't see why he didn't just get the start in this match in preparation for Chelsea. That didn't make sense to me. And then Usmani um, Dembele is a, a guy that who's not going to be in your five stars. Obviously, he didn't play against Ibar, and we'll get to him later and talk about him. Why I don't see why he didn't feature at all in this game either. Well, I think what Valverde was trying to do, I think he was trying to fill the 11 that are going to play and start at Chelsea and um, in order for them to sort of get to know each other a little bit better or, you know, have proximity to the game. And that's why Iniesta played. Um, I do agree that if there were any concerns in terms of fatigue or current fitness for Iniesta, then Coutinho should have started. But I think that's what Valverde was trying to do. Um, I'm not sure that was the right thing to do, but I definitely think that that was his thinking. So with two stars, we've got Jordi Alba. He got forward really sharply, as he always does, uh, overlapping from the left, um, making sure that Orellana was kept at bay um, for the vast majority of the game. And then obviously the guy lost it and got himself sent off, which I thought was very silly. And if I was the Avar manager, I would be really upset that he did that. But um, yeah, as always, Jordi Alba getting involved, getting kicked pretty much all the time, but obviously kicking back whenever it was necessary and needed. And it was a very difficult game for him, but I really did think that he, he made the difference. And obviously, when that final shot of him um, hit the back of the net, that really did help because that was game over against very tough opposition. Yeah, and I think for Jordi Alba, he was a, a, another testament to Barca continuing to attack and sit back and be patient at the same time. And against Ibar, the whole goal of that game was to get the three points Make sure no one got injured and get out of there. And you're right, Jordi Alba, he, I'd say he wasn't as forthcoming as he normally is, but he still did the job he had to, and his goal sealed the deal. Of course, and we are delighted that he did. With three stars, it was Gerard Piquet. He had a lot of work, and people that haven't really been following La Liga wouldn't have thought Eibar away would be a difficult match. But actually, this is a team that has consistently beaten very strong rivals, um, Valencia Espanol being amongst them in, in the recent, I think it's a couple of months as well. Um, it is really important to notice here that the pitch at Mendizorroza is quite tiny. So obviously spaces were reduced and to be honest, that's going to be pretty much the same at Chelsea uh, in Stamford Bridge particularly. So it really was important to notice that Eibar had to be held back at home and Piquet did a fantastic a fantastic job as he normally does to be honest he was very attentive whenever a ball came his way he was really well positioned he was able to head whenever it was needed and tackle as well and he kept the, the the host at bay so i really did think that piquet did fantastically well leading a back line together with umtiti which also deserves a mention didn't get any stars but umtiti was very good too and uh, i really do think that his winning nature is contagious and that's one of the reasons why barca came away with the three points now, getting to four-stars territory, I've got Luis Suarez. Uh, once again, he scored, and that's what you want from a striker, right? Um, he hadn't scored for the previous two matches, but then again, the previous eight or nine he had. So, again, he continues to work incredibly hard in front of goal, being very accurate, being very confident, and to be honest, being a changed man from what he used to be at the beginning of the season. Um, he's 
understanding with Messi, obviously, no, no words can, can even explain at this point how well they relate to each other and how that partnership is helping Barca challenge for every single title this season. Um, first chance he had, put it at the back of the net, and then that was it. That was the, the, the game, particularly during the first half, the, the team was open, as we say in Spanish, Abrer la lata. And from that point on, Barca had a much better, comfortable game. So I really do think that his mobility up front um, really did help the team, helped Messi, and that's four stars for Suarez. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I know, obviously, who the five stars is going to be, but for Luis Suarez, he deserved it. He put in a good bit of work, and his timing on that offsides trap is just so important. And you can probably debate, well, you can debate and look back on that first goal as well that he scored, but Luis Suarez really did a good job of timing his runs and as we've talked about he if he can time his offside runs he's again one of the most clinical finishers in the world and his partnership with Messi is just a testament not only to Messi but the fact that Suarez and Messi off the pitch on the pitch they're in perfect sync right now and that partnership is of of as important as we say the midfield is for Barcelona the partnership up top is the most important partnership in the world when you see across the Liga when your strike partners, or let's say they're playing three in the front, when your front three are working together well and have figured things out, they're a deadly aside as, as any other, regardless of whether or not this is the Barcelona that we <laughs> are so used to. When you look at the way Paulinho kind of works with the team and everyone's kind of pushing forward at times and it seems like it's not, again, the forthcoming Barcelona that we're so used to against a team like Ibar on the road. But the other thing I would say about Ibar, Frances, just to throw in, because I think it can't be understated that Ibar, our team, fighting for a Europa League spot in the Liga. I think it's arrogant for Kules to think that Ibar on the road was going to be three instant points. They had to play a good match. They had to make sure they gave their best at times and limit Ibar's success because with Hadafe, they were just putting everybody behind the ball. They were parking the bus, and they have a really good defensive shape, and they're one of those Liga teams that defensively are, again, very disciplined and deserve a top-10 finish. But Ibar are a team that not only have a good defensive shape, but also have some attacking pieces and know how to move forward together as a unit. And they really have been playing really, really well this year. And while they have a tiny stadium, because historically Ibar are not a big club with a lot of big money, they are a program that has worked its way up through the ranks of Spanish football, and they deserve to be where they are. And so, again, the big story here is not only did Luis Suarez play well, get a goal, but Barcelona got the three points from a difficult opponent on the road. And again, it's too arrogant to say that those should have been three points or without, or in some way we deserve those three points. For sure. And as, as we said earlier, there's a lot of teams that are challenging for, for achieving their targets in La Liga that have struggled against Eibar. And to think that it was going to be an easy game, I think it is delusional, to be honest. But, you know, I, I know that a lot of people, particularly in social media, expect Barca to play Pep Guardiola football every single day and, and win, you know, with a Manita 5-0 win every single game. And, and that's, that's just not realistic. I think that particularly given the fact that we are four, how many, five, six months into the season now um, and players are beginning to be fatigued and players are not at their peak at the moment, I think getting the three points three days before the game against Chelsea is a fantastic result. Uh, we, weren't fan- we weren't great. We weren't spectacular. But the job was done, and that's it. We just need to move forward. And talking about moving forward, we've got the five stars still to do. I mean, this may come as no surprise at all, but the five stars go to Lionel Andres 
Messi. Once again, Messi became the assistant rather than the finisher. Um, it didn't matter at all that he was heavily marked. He was kicked throughout the whole game. He was pushed. He was man-marked pretty much the whole time. It really doesn't matter. You know, Messi always steps up um, because he was so controlled uh, by so many players, particularly when pushing into the final third and towards the middle of the of the backline space. He always thought, all right, I'm going to be that marked and the spaces are going to be that reduced. I'm going to open up, uh, connecting with Alba a lot of the times, whenever he could, connecting with um, Suarez. I thought that his association with Coutinho, once the Brazilian came on, was also remarkable. And I really do think that Messi, as always, is the engine that keeps Barcelona moving forward. Um, could have scored, but then again, he wasn't that fortunate in front of goal today. But to be honest, it doesn't really matter. As I just said, uh, Barca are a team. Messi is obviously the brightest spark and has been for well over a decade. And we are blessed for that. But today, once again, Messi was the most decisive player on the pitch. So undoubtedly, the five stars go to Lionel Andres Messi. He is truly our star, our shining star. And speaking of stars, Frances... We don't really add too much star power. You maybe a little more than me, but we actually have a, a pretty pretty high-profile rising star if social media is any indication for un La Entrevista this week. And again, she's such a star power that I'm going to actually let her introduce herself. Right. Thank you, Dan. Um, I am delighted to be joined by the fantastic Eugenia Caroy. Uh, from a variety of media. And to be honest, uh, Eugenia has worked with so many enormous sports brands over the world that I'm not even going to say them. Um, Eugenia, welcome to the show. Hi, Frances. Uh, well, I'm so happy to join the team and to be as a guest here in the Barcelona podcast. Um, I'm As a huge Barcelona fan, aside from being a sports journalist, it's definitely a pleasure and an honor to be part of, of this podcast today. And I'm super excited to share all that I know and all my experience about Barca and all the latest news live from Barcelona here with you guys. Well, that is tremendous news for us. Uh, we are delighted that you take the time to be with us and being part of the team is going to be great for us, great for you. And obviously, first and foremost, very, very crucial for our listeners as well. Now, Eugenia, you've worked for a variety of outlets over the world. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that, please? Yes, of course. I started off in 2010. Uh, as a sports blogger, basically doing all the football content that the women wanted to lit to hear and watch and know about, because I, there was a, a huge uh, niche audience of women that were football fans or sports fans in general that the general sports media wasn't really targeting, and that's changed a lot over the years. Uh, since 2010, when I quit my job in Mexico City and basically I moved to Madrid to do a, a master's in sports marketing. And, you know, I, I said to myself, oh, you know what, I'll just go to Spain for a year and, you know, see how it goes. And it's been seven and a half years and I ended up coming to Barcelona, which was my dream since I was a little girl. And I, I, I'm one of those lucky persons that gets to live and see Lionel Messi play live. I'm, I consider myself a super lucky person to live in the Messi era. So now I've been in Barcelona for two and a half years. 
I have my own company. I have my website, my own like social media networks that I also work with. And I also um, do stuff and produce content for media such as ESPN. I've worked with Fox Sports, with Univision in the United States. And I'm doing now a TV show here in Barcelona called El Rondo, which is basically a talk show about everything and everything and anything that goes on with Football Club Barcelona. So that's pretty exciting. Um, there's a, it, We're having a pretty cool uh, year coming up ahead. And I think that we have a club that it's going to give us uh, good times and many things to celebrate hopefully if we keep on on the on the track that we're on as of now and you know that's my inspiration they've always been my inspiration to do what I do to do to love what I do and do what I love basically so that's why I'm here and basically doing everything around what Football Club Barcelona is going through the latest news doing sports journalism and Everything from like a fan uh, perspective and from an um, entertaining perspective, you know, more than just the analysis of what football is or what they're doing of, or what the players are doing or what the team is actually doing on a weekend. We also want to do all the content that takes the audience closer to what the real experience of being at a match is. Well, that sounds fantastic. That really does. Um, I don't live in Barcelona anymore, but I do watch El Rondo online from here and then. And um, I think you do a fantastic job in there. And the whole team there, obviously, bringing Barca closer to the audience, which, as you say, is the main the main goal here and the main goal of El Rondo as well. Now, well, if you, if you watch El Rondo, you're going to have to see me on Monday with a very tense uh, show after today's match and after Real Madrid's match against uh, PSG. Uh, last on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and you know all the preview of of what's gonna happen with uh, Chelsea Barca on Tuesday in the Champions League, which is gonna be a a pretty cool uh, match and interesting stepstone in order to reach all the goals that Football Club Barcelona wants to reach this season, right? After absolutely. Did you think that we were that terrible against Eibar? We did win no, the game. No, not at all. Uh, I it was a little bit shocking for me to see the lineup because that's exactly the lineup I would have uh, thought about for for the match in 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 Stamford Bridge on Tuesday. So you know we only have two days of rest. Barcelona has only two days versus three days that Chelsea is going to have before the match on Tuesday. So it, it was a little bit surprising. But then when I saw the match, I kind of understood it. And some people are criticizing the team and what happened and how they played. They say it wasn't as intense as they should have been. You know, the, the result was there. The 0-2 the win was crucial. We, we cannot afford to lose any more points in La Liga. And But I think that they did the right thing because they didn't wear themselves out in, in, and focusing on the match on Tuesday. They needed to do a match that was sort of like a practice match. Avar was very good, especially and especially in sometime in the middle of the second half, it got a little it seemed that it got a little bit tough for Barca. But I think it was more of like, okay, let's take it easy because we have a much more important match on Tuesday, right? That's how I saw it. So I didn't see that it was that bad. I think it was a great warm-up for for that game, that very important game that we have on Tuesday in Stamford Bridge. I do agree with you. It was certainly not a spectacular match, but I think people are a little bit hung up in the past. I 
think that's the right way to say it. Uh, with Pep Guardiola, obviously, treating fans for such fantastic football for so many years. But I think it is quite impossible to do it every single game, right? I totally agree with you. And another thing is that, yes, Pep gave uh, the team and the fans and the club in general an amazing uh, era of the team that was a spectacular football. But at the end of the Pep era, everybody was used to the game and it wasn't effective anymore. And that is something that Valverde is giving the team and it's the effectiveness. And you don't, you don't, it doesn't really matter if you score seven goals in a match, as long as you get the three points, that's what's going to get us to the end of La Liga. And that's going to, what's going to get us to the next phase of Champions League okay. winning, not the stratospheric, uh, you know, results of eight to zero or results that are basically spectacular for the audience but at the end of the day that if the rivals decipher your your strategy then it's not effective it's not effective anymore for sure i think what valverde has been able to add this season is making the team more compact more solid more able to understand the timing of games as well um if you think about it the first half and there's criticism for this as well but i just don't i don't share it um people are saying that the first halves are not that exciting at all and that Barca sort of ran out of ideas and don't know what to do, don't know how to break. But actually, I think that the tiring that the rivals experienced during the first 45 minutes actually enabled Barca to be more effective in the second half. Now, I don't think they're doing this on purpose, but I think it's a, a, a whole consequence of the narrowing of gaps, the tiring and the chasing shadows that rivals are doing during the first half. You know, you know what I ask those people that are always arguing about the first half excitement quote unquote what's more exciting to win a first half of the match to be winning on the first match of the half of the first half of the match sorry to win the match or to actually do a steady season throughout the entire season and then actually win titles that is what's going to make this season exciting so we need to look further than the first half or the second half we need to think in the long run and i think it's, that's exactly what valverde is doing and it's crucial especially in this part of the season when you get when you start accumulating not only everything that you've done throughout the season but also you start getting Uh, Champions League matches in the middle. You start in the middle of the week. You start getting uh, catch-up matches in the middle of the week, like we have next week. Uh, you start getting, uh, you know, all the finals and everything's tight. It's more. It's it's even more tight this year because we have the World Cup. So everything is like tighter and happening faster. And it's very easy for the for the players to wear, to wear themselves out. Like it's happened already a couple years ago. When when we saw what happened in the Champions League and we got uh, eliminated in the in the round of uh, in the quarterfinals. We really so did. Really did. after after an amazing season, Barca was at the top of their level, at the top of their game, and then all of a sudden they're out of Champions League. We don't want that. I'd rather have a boring quote unquote first half, but effectiveness reaching and breaking records like we did today. Valverde just broke today the thirty. Uh, one games uh, unbeaten that Pep Guardiola got during his time as a as a coach for Barcelona, and so we've been unbeaten in La Liga. We're already in the final of Copa del Rey, and we have a very very important match on Tuesday, and then on the on the second leg on the four, March 14th. And this is what's 
we're already we're already leading La Liga. We're Barca's already in the final of Copa del Rey. They need to focus on Champions League now. So the match today, I think it was very very smart the way they handled it because they brought out what's very likely to be the lineup on Tuesday. They made it a, a practice match or a kind of you know because they weren't like really. A, on fire on top of the game and running except Sergi Roberto which I thought it was ama it was an amazing match for Sergi Roberto but in general it was it seemed like everybody was very relaxed and you know after after the first goal you're you just want to keep the result positive and you know make sure that you're going to get those three points and then make its maximum uh, maximum effectiveness less effort right because you need to be on top of your game for Tuesday where it's going to be a, a much stronger match than today Tuesday will be a stronger match um, and as you said it is quite likely that Valverde is going to feel the first 11 that he started against Eibar and that includes Paulinho so Paulinho started against Eibar and he's been at the bottom of plenty of criticism on social media um, he's not a spectacular player like Iniesta or Coutinho or Messi obviously are but he does, he does add something different to the team. So in your eyes, should Paulinho start against Chelsea or be benched? No, I total, I completely disagree with you on the fact that he's not a spectacular player. I don't think he shines like Iniesta does. I don't think he shines like Messi does. But we also have to think that he's only been in the club for half the half a season. And I think that from all the, the new uh, players that we've had, actually Paulinho is the player that has adapted the best to the style and has found his way into the team most effectively. Every time he's in the field, he does something for the team, whatever it is. But he he, he always helps to make a to make a goal, to score to score, to uh, form a, a play. He always does something positive for the team. And obviously, well, obviously you have a new star in the team, which is Coutinho, that cannot play the Champions League. So I think. Think that uh, Paulinho is definitely going to be there in the starting eleven for for um, in in Stamford Bridge, and I think it's good because he is a player that is he's effective. You know, we don't need him to be a star. We need him. We don't need him to be you know shining bright as a diamond because we already have Messi for that. We have Suarez for that. So we need a player that supports them, who becomes the third leg of the tripod in an effective way to make Suarez and Messi shine and. It's and I think it's even more effective, uh, more effective than when we had Neymar because when you had Neymar, there was like this, I don't know, some sort of not. I don't think it was something that um done on purpose, but Neymar is, has always been a player that wants to shine. He always wants to be the protagonist. He always he wants to be a star, and he is a star. But you cannot compete with Lionel when you're in the same team as Lionel Messi for stardom, you know? So in this case, I think that Paulinho fits perfectly. And I think that he's a very good uh, third leg for that uh, for that forward in, in FC Barcelona. And we'll see. I think, I mean, Coutinho still needs minutes. He, still, he just got um, signed by the club. He couldn't play the first uh, the first couple of weeks when, when the season started again now in January. And he can play Champions League, so it's gonna it's gonna be a longer adaptation process for Coutinho, and I think that we have a a safe bet with Paulinho there for Tuesday. I, I do agree with you. I think Paulinho adds something that is different. Uh, we talked about it in our previous show. That obviously, if listeners haven't listened to it yet, um, it's still available there. Just go through your app and, and scroll down, and, and it's there for you. 
But um, we talked about it, and we did say that Paulinho does add something that is different. Um, we don't necessarily need little robots and Barca all doing the same job, and Paulinho certainly adds that physicality, that know-how, that understanding of the game in terms of timing, and it is really, really effective. Now, talking about new additions, Dembele hasn't played that much this week. I mean, he didn't feature against Eibar, and he only played for a short while in our previous match in La Liga, and he wasn't spectacular at all. Um, in fact, there was, I know that you attend the Camp Nou regularly, so there was a lot of run run, which is people moaning in the stands about um, mistakes that were made. And he didn't feature against Eibar. So do you think Dembele will feature against Chelsea at all? I mean, we're not even talking about a start here, but someone that can come in the second half. Um, how do you see that? Yeah, I can totally see him as coming as a, as a change in the second half. Um, the thing with Dembele is he's a very young player and he's looking to shine and to show the, the team and to show the fans that he is actually worth what the, he was paid for. You know, what they paid for, for, what the club paid for him. And that is exactly what happened in, in his second, when he, he, when he got injured the second time, he came back after a three month injury, right after they paid a lot of money for him. And he wants to come out and he wants to shine. He's young, he's unexperienced. And I think that's that's the main reason why that injury happened in early early in the year. No, early in in January. Mm -hmm. When when he had just been back for two matches or three matches. So uh, I, I don't see him as a starting uh, player for Tuesday, but I do see him coming in, especially depending on the results uh, uh, after the second, after the halftime. Okay, I think we agree on that as well. Um, he can be an impact player this season. I mean, I would love to see him starting, but he's just simply not ready yet. And yeah. everything you said, I agree with. I think also adding the fact that he didn't really have a preseason because he was three or four weeks without training, just waiting for the transfer to happen. And he went rebelde, you know, um, he rebelled yeah. against the Dortmund. Yeah, he rebelled against the Dortmund board and coaching staff and refused to play until the transfer actually happened. So I think he needs our support. He's actually put a lot from his own side, even before he joined us um, in order to be at Barca and make, make his being here a success. Now, talking about the Chelsea game then, um, we're running out of time here. Um, I've just got one more question for you. What's the result going to be and what are the keys of the game in your eyes? I I really don't like talking about results, but I, to I definitely... <laughs> That's why I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like talking about results, but I, I completely trust that uh, Barcelona's game this year is spectacular and they're thinking with their heads. There is a there is a lot of harmony in the in the locker room. The team seems a hundred percent compatible. They they really understand what Valverde is asking them for, and there's a different vibe compared to last year. With like after Luis Enrique's last year, everything was very tense, and you know I think that there's a new Arabs now and. Since we were just talking about Paulinho, I think it's important to mention that 
it's a it's going to be a tough match of course premier league play teams are much more aggressive than la liga and it's very good to have a, a player that already has that experience in play, in premier league uh, since Paulinho was already there with Tottenham in from 2013 to 2015 so it's important to have that kind of player who already knows the type of of game that that is played in 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 the uk and Because if we go, if we look back, the last time we played Chelsea in Champions League, uh, you know, final um, phases, uh, we were in that. The outcome wasn't very pleasant. So I think it's important that we have uh, these type of players. I think everything is very, it, it, all the all the pieces are fitting perfectly, and I think we're gonna have a very interesting match, a very exciting match. And I'm I'm already a little bit excited, anxious, and nervous, but I, I think it's going to be worth watching and worth talking about afterwards because uh, it those are the type of matches that always leave us a lot to talk about, uh, and you know especially uh, when we talk about the referees and then you have all the Madridistas talking about the help and you know they're going to definitely look for something to to argue about after that match with uh, Paris Saint-Germain last week uh, in, 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 in Santiago Bernabéu. You make a good point in there. I think that the fact that um, Real Madrid fans are always talking and the media is sort of trying to get you to believe what they want you to believe, I think it's much, much more uh, prominent in Spain because uh, there's different channels that support different clubs. Uh, normally it's Real Madrid unless it's a Catalan station, let's, let's be honest. So, yeah, it would be great to see your thinking and your feeling as to how it's going on in Barcelona. I can talk from a local's perspective here in London. We're really excited to have Barca. Um, as I said in the previous podcast, I'm going to be having a meal with the board and the rest of the members of the Peña Blaugrana London on Monday. Then Tuesday, there's a celebration all around London. Uh, we're meeting in Trafalgar Square. I think it's 12, 12.30. So anyone listening to the show from the UK or traveling into London, 12.30 will be in Trafalgar Square. And then I think we'll hit a few pubs before we make it to the game. But um, Ooh, you, come? <laughs> you can, it certainly can. So it's going to be a fantastic celebration of football and uh, Blaugrana colors all over London. As always, they're going to look really, really well. Now, Eugenia, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us. Um, I think we're going to collaborate more in the future. Of and, course. Um, I'm super excited. Well, so are we. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Bisca Barça. Bisca. Great, great stuff, Frances. And I get the impression that we're going to be hearing a lot more from her in the future. So while you normally get to talk to all of our wonderful guests, that this might be an opportunity for me to jump in as well. And the three of us might have some conversations in the future. Well, now's the time, however, in the show for La Ronda, where we have the conversation with the listeners, starting with Femi, who asks, well, really more of a comment, It's great winning and all, but with our new style, that in parentheses, of course, of football, defensive, if we're being honest, we'll soon get embarrassed in the Champions League. If Ivar were more clinical, we could have been embarrassed today, and this isn't the first time we're playing like this. And I think we kind of said it in the five-star in the Bolsa, Frances, that Ibar is a good team, and while Ibar are certainly not Chelsea or certainly not teams who might be farther down the road in the Champions League if we can get by Chelsea— They still are a good team that are compact, and they are not worrying about any other competitions. So they're a much more well-rested team as opposed to Barcelona's slightly fatigued team. And so I think the Ibar match was one of those matches where 
Barcelona had to kind of take it on the chin, take that pressure, and as long as they got the goals and the three points, I think it doesn't matter how it works out. And against a team like Chelsea, it might not be a wide-open game, so you might have to expect more of the same. But if the results come, then the results are going to come. I think our listener does have a point. Um, Barca, as I said at the very beginning of, of the show today, they weren't spectacular. But then again, it is impossible. It's human nature. You know, you can't really be outstanding every single day in every single match in everything you do it's just not realistic um the vast majority of games that we lost last season in Luis Enrique's last season they were against the so-called low level opposition um we lost against Alaves we lost against Deportivo and we got a series of bad results that ultimately cost us the title with that in mind I don't really mind that much Barcelona being tremendously spectacular pep-like um, against Eibar on a very rainy, wet February afternoon in El País Vasco. It makes no difference to me. Um, we got the three points. Valverde has led us to the best ever star in La Liga. We are alive in the Champions League. We've got a fantastic opportunity to have a really long run. We're in the cup final. So I think, I think I'll live with that. And this is now the second time we've also said that this is the Pep Guardiola. It's not the Pep Guardiola team, rather. But even those games with Pep, that yes, the, the highs were much, much higher and they were playing the best soccer we may have ever seen. But in the same respect, you know, we have to remember not every match with Pep Guardiola was a sensational, beautiful thing. At times, you felt like Barcelona had all this tremendous possession, but they just couldn't figure out how to break down some of those teams. And it was still the same argument, even under Pep Guardiola, not every moment with Pep with sunshine and rainbows all the time. And so at the end of the day, we remember Pep not only because of the football he played, but because of all the trophies that he got playing that kind of football. And so for Valverde in his first season, if he winds up getting, you know, again, the treble, as we've talked about in the recent weeks, is so it's such an almost impossible thing to do. And so few teams have done it over the last 50 to 100 years that even having an option or the ability to still be alive in all those competitions is a testament to Barcelona playing the way they need to play and again I think the longer they play together and yes Paulinho is a big part of that equation he isn't this technical monster like we expected but he is exactly the, the kind of guy that having that bite and guile in the midfield that Barcelona fans were, were clamoring for and now they have him and he does add a little bit of edge to it and he he does fit against certain teams now the listener question number two in Behanzen asked concerns about the finishing they're arriving and not scoring what seems like a lot and that kind of does play into Paulinho making his runs from the midfield adding a different facet of the game and Coutinho still hasn't really been able to conquer from long range just yet and Messi and Suarez of course have either hit the post or had their misses so far this season. But I'm not too worried about this, Francis. Are you? No. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Um, in terms of uh, finishing, it's it's how it goes. It's football, you know, and, and players are human. And it's not just the touch. And in terms of quality and, and finishing, we've got the best in the world. We've got Suarez, we've got Messi. We've had fantastic players over the years as well. And definitely we do as well now. Uh, Coutinho can finish, Dembele can finish, Rakitic can finish, Paulinho can also finish. So I'm not worried about that at all. I think it's all about feeling. It's not just about quality. It's being confident. It's being able to trust your own abilities. And we are winning games. We're scoring more goals than the opposition. And I honestly, I'm not worried at all. I mean, 
It's definitely not my intention to offend anyone here, but say we haven't won titles as long as Liverpool have, or even Manchester United have, or even Arsenal have, you know, big titles. Um, I don't know what the fan base will be like. We have just gone for the best ever start to a La Liga season. We are scoring enough goals and we are challenging for every title right now. In a week's time, maybe we'll get destroyed by Chelsea. Maybe something else that's quite weird happens. But at this moment in time, there is no need to be pessimistic. We are where we want to be right now. So for Frances and I, again, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Barcelona Podcast. Bringing the hot springing stories from the camp. No, until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And Forza Barca. Forza. Forza.